Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, PCC. We're on a journey through the book of Deuteronomy, and we find ourselves this week about caring for the vulnerable. Uh, It's a beautiful picture of it, uh, as we just watched. And I have a line for us to start us off today that I want us to hold uh, as we begin today and as we walk from here today. And the line is this, the vulnerable need us and we need the vulnerable. Let me say that one more time. I'm going to have you repeat it in a second, but just listen to those words. The vulnerable need us and we need the vulnerable. Would you repeat that with me? One, two, three. The vulnerable need us and we need the vulnerable. Oh, but it's hard. It's hard to find our place in that. It's hard for us to figure out, ah, oh, what's too much, what's too little, and what do we do? I want to introduce you uh, to Carrie. And Carrie, if you could come up and join me right now, that would be great. We're so glad. Can we clap for Carrie? Carrie and I are about 20 years apart in age, but we've had a similar journey here. We grew up here. Um, About 30 years ago, we both started coming here, and I haven't had a lot of interaction with Carrie. I've known her as a person who is younger and a person who's older, and I'm actually uh, in awe of her more (laughs) as she tells this story today. Uh, You can see this picture. This says it all, and she'll get to it, but God spoke to her about caring for the vulnerable early on. And tell us about that. When, Carrie, did you get a heart for the vulnerable and why? So that story kind of starts way long ago. Um, In third grade, our teacher went around and asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up. And when it got to be my turn, I said, a mother. And everybody laughed because everybody else wanted to be a firefighter or an astronaut. But I wanted to be a mom. And that's held true my entire life. Um, When I was 15, I found out that it was probably impossible for me to have biological children Mm. without severe intervention, which I also decided was not meant for me. Um, I know that, or I knew at the time that there were lots of children in the world who needed a mother, and so why would I do that when there were so many children out there that needed me? Um, When I was about 18, I met a wonderful woman who did foster care, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it for me. This is what I'm being called to do. Mm -hmm. And then about a year later, I met another woman who cared for medically fragile infants. Mm. And that was really when I knew that Mm. that was my life path. I knew that I was meant to be a mother to many, but not only that, to be a mother to the special. Mm. And so that's what we did. (laughs) Yeah. So you've been married how long? Eight years. And in those eight years, you fostered how many children? Um, Ten children. Ten children. All who had medical challenges or not? Uh, Most, yeah, I would say eight. And they ranged of what age? Uh, We've had a child from birth, and we've had up to nine years old. Yeah. When you look back on that journey, what's been the challenge in it? Where have you found the tension? Where at times maybe you want to give up, at times you want to yell out, how do I get myself into this? Or tell us more, the challenges. I think the biggest challenge that we faced is that people don't understand what we do. Yeah. Foster care seems really scary to people, and they don't understand it. And, and 
believably so. You look at these movies, and it seems terrifying. These kids seem horrible, but they're not, and they're wonderful. Um, but it's been really hard to find support through that mm. because I think people just get easily scared away. Yeah, and it is interesting. The support piece is big. Um, and that's one thing we'll talk about today, being a support friend. And yeah. Carrie's an advocate for that, where you, you come around, a bunch of people come around a family who is fostering a child or has adopted a child, and they need that support. Yes. And uh, you're doing a great job of advocating. Tell us about the blessing. Um, this picture speaks to that. Tell us about the blessing of what you have been called to do. Yeah, so I, I will definitely talk about my daughter, but I want to say that the biggest blessing has been um, a relationship with biological parents, which is mm. not something that we anticipated. Mm -hmm. I thought that children would come into our home and we'd love on them and then they'd go. Mm. Um, but we've been so blessed to be able to partner with biological parents and love on them as well. And we've had really, really good relationships with almost all of our parents. In fact, we have a, a mother who texts me fairly often and tells me how her son is doing, and I just love that. Mm. Um, and then obviously our daughter is our biggest, I'm gonna cry, sorry. Please um, do, it's <laughs> worth crying about. We just it's adopted her um, a month ago, and we were previously a non-adoptive home. Um, we did not want to adopt, that was not our intent. Um, but she's beautiful and she's wonderful. Um, she came into our home as a terminal placement at the age of one year. She's three and a half and she's thriving, and she's walking, and talking, and potty training, and she goes to school. She's just a miracle, and it's just a testament to proper love and proper care in a home that is able to provide that for her. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Tell us about the other surprise that God has done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so two weeks before we adopted our daughter, we found out that we're also pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> So a little emotional, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And at an early age, you were told you would never have children of your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was quite the surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. And I'd love just to pray for you and pray for the work you're doing in encouraging others to really become support friends of foster family and adoptive families. Let us pray. God, we acknowledge this is your work. Lord, it's an independent work that has come through Carrie's life, Lord, but it's a communal work. Uh, use it today, whether people listening online, in here, Lord, stir and spur. And Lord, what do you want us to do with a story like this besides just be in awe of the way you work? And so, Lord, we give you this story and we praise you. Uh, in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Can we give a warm thanks for her? Mm. Open your Bibles to, I think, one of the most beautiful passages in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 17 to 22. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 17 to 22. Remember our line, the vulnerable need us, and what? We need the vulnerable, don't we? We so do, we so do. And hear the word of God today. I want to encourage you not to just approach this cognitively. Let the visual of what's playing out in this passage stir in your mind. Put yourself in the fields that they're speaking of. Ponder uh, what they're asking to leave behind. Allow this passage to really go deep into your soul. 
hear the word of God. This is Deuteronomy 24, 17 to 22. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. When you are harvesting in the field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. So the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from the trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. No, no. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. As we've been in this journey through Deuteronomy, learning from the Israelites about what we can actually take into our future as we are people transitioning like the Israelites were to a promised future, we've had these mementos each week to help us remember our journey. And today our memento is a basket because that visual of harvesting and gathering, there's this call to generosity that God wants us to be reminded of. There's this call, actually, of not just generosity, which is one of our values, but also the value that we hold to at PCC of seeking justice. Did you see the opening lines uh, of this passage? Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of what? Of justice. When we care for the vulnerable in a loving way, like the Lord does, we're actually seeking justice in helping right the world. And so when I ponder us as a community and I look back over the 30 years that I've been here as an attendee and someone on staff, I am amazed how much PCC has taught me about seeking justice and giving generously through the vulnerable. I actually think as a body we, this is one of our strengths. And it's actually, actually one of our hallmarks. And I think it's one of the main things we actually need to pull through into our future. And when if I would have to describe to a pastor that was coming, I would describe them. These people care about the community in the world. And specifically, they care about the vulnerable. And so while I commend us today, I want to actually take us deeper And help us really understand why the vulnerable matter so much. Why is that so? Because remember our line? It's our big idea today. The vulnerable need us and we need the vulnerable. So let's just ponder. When you think of the vulnerable, who do you think of? Who do you think of? In the passage it says this. It's the foreigner. It's the fatherless and the widow. Can you hold those? The foreigner, let's, let's, let's broaden that one a bit. Let's just call him a stranger. And then let's relate it to where we are in the messy middle of our own uh, racial tension and cultural divides that we have. I would say that the foreigner in this day and age, beyond just being someone from a foreign land, is anybody who is strange to us and different than us in race and ethnicity. And 
Because what I'm realizing more and more, those uh, of other race and ethnicities, especially if they're not majority culture, they feel vulnerable. So it's very interesting how this text is speaking not just to the true foreigner from another land, but just somebody who is different than the majority culture and how it's important for us as people to understand the vulnerability that they feel. How about the next one? It seems a little less complicated, but is it? The fatherless. Just the fatherless. Those who don't have a father. You could also flip it because it's not you know, gender specific. The motherless. Those who don't have huh, that core need of that core guardian of a father and a mother. And then how about this one? The widower or widow. These are the vulnerable. In many cases, if you describe it even a little bit more, it specifically would be this. Those who are easily hurt and harmed physically, mentally, emotionally. Those who are open to attack in that way. Deuteronomy seven times, seven times declares that we are to care for the vulnerable. It was similar to last week. Last week was about purging evil. And Moses again and again and again, 10 times said purge evil. But now Moses is declaring through God, he's saying care for the vulnerable. This same concept I love when these concepts play out because we know that they matter. Said seven times in Deuteronomy, threads throughout the Bible. And it actually hits this pinnacle at one point in the New Testament with Jesus and his brother James. You'll see these on the screen, and you know this, but some of these words, I want them just to be heightened, especially the word of God, heightened in our thoughts here in our mind. So specifically, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, we know this. It says, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your heart. And then it says, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus was saying, besides just live out the Shema, which we're taught in Deuteronomy, Jesus is saying, we know this, love the other, love your neighbor. He goes on to say, remember when he describes that whole piece, how you treat others matters because it's like you're treating me. Look at this next passage. When he goes on to talk about how we must love the least of these in the right way. See this text, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, the most vulnerable, you did not do to me. It's a backwards way of saying what? We must care for the vulnerable. This next passage has always put me in a quandary and I finally had to come to terms with it. The poor you will always have with you. Having the vulnerable with us is an unsolvable problem. Have you come to terms with that? Because that's what that statement is saying. I don't like that. <laughs> I want it to be solved. And typically when we jump in, we want to solve it, don't we? And we want to solve it for the individual that we're engaging with. And did you hear what Carrie said up here? It actually became more about the relationship. It wasn't as important to solve as it was to engage. And when I've come to terms with this passage, it makes me realize, 
oh, this won't be solved. Oh, I have to find my place in dealing with the vulnerable. And in many ways, that's what I'm asking you to consider today. You probably might already have a place, or you might need to move into a deeper place, or it might be a brand new place with the vulnerable. Where are you with handling the problem of how the poor and vulnerable will always be with us? Those online, it's the same to you. In your context, where is God calling you today to engage more with the vulnerable? Isn't it interesting that James, the brother of Jesus, went on to pen a line that, wow, really gets to the heart of this concept. You can see this in James 1.27. Look what he says. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after what? The orphans, the widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from what? Being polluted by the world. I find it so interesting that James would carry that through from his brother. So let's ponder this. Why care for the vulnerable? It seems obvious, doesn't it? But let's go back to our text. Here's three reasons. In our text, the first reason was this. It's a matter about being just to others, bringing justice. It says, don't deprive them of justice. When we care for the vulnerable, we're bringing to the world what is needed in the places where it's missing. How about this next one? There's actually a blessing. It says, if you do this, oh, God may bless you. Now, should we always do it for the blessing? Well, it's one of the three reasons. The other one is this, to respond in the way that God has loved us. And this is what's been said. It says, Israelites, you were slaves and you were vulnerable and I came in your moment of need and provided for you. So you should go and do the same. So it is with us. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes we are the vulnerable. We each have a moment in our lives where we could probably say we were vulnerable. Somebody came with provision. God came with a way. And he's just saying, pass this on, folks. But we have broken souls. And our broken souls fight against bringing justice, fight against responding in God's love based on the love we've received, and fight against actually receiving the blessing that's in it. Did you feel the blessing of Carrie? Uh, Those tears were tears of experiencing the blessing in what she has been given and what in the way in which she had participated. It was was like a dual blessing. It, it It was so complex and beautiful, the blessing she's received. But look what happens. Why don't we care for the vulnerable? Three other reasons. Ponder these and wrestle with these, would you? The first is this. We're selfish. They're not on our heart. We are caught up in our own lives. Hmm. The next one is they're not even in our context. We're not even aware that they're around us. And how about this one? We're overwhelmed, sometimes just with our lives, or the problem seems so big, I don't know what to do. And so I just installed and I won't do anything. The first reason of selfishness, I think we also 
forget the privilege that we have. We forget how full our baskets are and how there is much that we actually could have left behind or much that we can dispense and give the folks out of our privilege. I think we have to wrestle with that. We have to really wrestle that through. How much can I give? How privileged have I been? I'm realizing this about myself as I've wrestled with this tension. And I'm realizing the vulnerable to me begin to matter when I have proximity and I can pronounce their names. Can anybody else relate to that? The vulnerable begin to matter, I believe, to all of us when we have proximity and we can begin to pronounce their names. For me, here's what the names were. Daniel. The names were Henry. The names were Wisdom. The names were Jefferson. The name is Shiferno. The name is T. Each of these names have different stories to me, but it's amazing to me. For example, in the case of Daniel, I met him uh, when he was 11 through the Big Brother, Big Sister program because I would drive by every day to work, drive by, drive by. This is when I was working in sales in the city, and God just seemed to draw me in. And that 11-year-old in that relationship, <laughs> here's what I came to realize. It was less about solving his problem, but learning about the bigger problem of what it's like to be a single parent. It was less about being effective and radically changing his life, but becoming empathetic to his learning disabilities and his challenge. It also brought me this cultural experience of understanding a Jewish family whose grandmother lived close to them and she was such a big part of their lives and how she'd escaped the Nazis in Germany and moved to Israel and had this rich heritage. In turn, I would talk about faith and tradition and Jesus and God. The learning in many ways was so much greater than anything I actually solved or did. And we know when we get involved, oh, there's challenges. There's challenges. And so I want you to come back to our point here. The vulnerable need us and we need the vulnerable. Here's what happens when we do that. Just, I'm gonna go through a litany of things, but I want you to grab one of these. When we engage with the vulnerable, here's what happens. Justice prevails. We move beyond ourselves. A life can actually be liberated. I think about the name Wisdom, who's part of Malawi Children's Mission. I watched Wisdom for years live in his own mud hut, and I wrote about him this week in the email that went out, the weekly email. And now Wisdom lives on his own and is a journalist. How do you go from a mud hut to a journalist? You have to have people caring about you and taking you on a journey. When we care about the vulnerable, we purge evil and we bring protection in a way. When we care about the vulnerable, we bring the kingdom of heaven actually to earth. And sometimes when we care about the vulnerable, it's dark and we don't even believe we're making an impact. I think of the boy Jefferson that I was challenged to pray for. He's part of the foster system. Jefferson's 11. I'd have never even seen a picture of Jefferson. 
But when I pray for Jefferson, inconsistently as I do, he's on my Thursday prayer list. And if I could hit my Thursday prayer list at least 26 times a year, that would be a miracle, okay? But he's on my Thursday prayer list. And when I pray for him, it opens me up to an understanding of other kids in the foster system. It gives me an empathetic heart for that. Do you realize when we focus and care for the vulnerable, there's this exponential impact that in time has great, great ability to bring change. And here's what I found. When we lean into the vulnerable, it causes us actually what to lean into God more and more and more. So as we go today, I want to remind you, this was a command that was given. <laughs> this was a command that was given, but it was a command given for our own good. And as we go today, I want to give you the opportunity to consider these possibilities. If you check out the back tables today, you'll see these options. The options first are to prayer adopt a child from Malawi Children's Mission. Not to do anything, but to grab a name, put them someplace, and pray for them regularly. You might never go there or be there, but you'll get regular updates. It's not even a financial investment. It's a spiritual investment, just praying. Like I pray for Jefferson. Shif Nero is one of the boys that I pray for from Malawi Children's Mission. Our kids do at our house also. Jefferson's one just in the foster adopt system. But you can go back to the table and get someone to pray for. You can also go back and hear what Carrie can help you understand about support friends, rallying around a family that is fostering or who has adopted. You can also go back and find out about what it means to foster a child or consider adopting. We have a great history at PCC of folks who foster and adopt, and it's beautiful how they have changed lives. And then, how about this unique opportunity? There are what are called unaccompanied immigrants, minors. So unaccompanied minors who are immigrants from Afghanistan and Central America, teenagers that are coming based on what's going on uh, in the world today, and they need to be fostered. It's a total different challenge. It's not a local child from San Mateo, but international from the world. The final thing I'd say is when it comes to those who are vulnerable because of their race and ethnicity, I would encourage you to potentially come to the monthly lunch. There's one on November 7th for the multi-racial and multi-ethnic families in our PCC community. Just hear and learn from them and figure out maybe your role in that. So let's remember our line today. The vulnerable need us. And oh boy, do we need the vulnerable. Let's stop and pray. Father, we thank you today and we acknowledge your goodness. We are your people and you are our God. And we ask today, whether it's one of these tables in the back, God, or it's the person that we bump into each day who's a stranger, or it's the widow we know, or, Lord, it's someone we know who is fatherless. Lord, lead us, lead us in your way today. 
thank you how you command us to do this, but in the end, it's a response to your love. So congregation and those online, I just want to give you a moment to pause. And I would encourage you to ask God to give you greater ears and eyes to see the vulnerable so that we can be a church that changes the world more and more. So this is your moment. Take a moment just to talk to God about that. thanks that everyone can do a part from prayer to adopting and thanks God you've adopted us and you're yearning for the same in our hearts when it comes to the vulnerable it's in Jesus name we pray amen thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church we would love the opportunity to connect with you more We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for WeArePCC.com.